0: This is Off the Rock, On the Record, a podcast by Obsidian Public Relations. Welcome to Season 3, where we're spotlighting small business owners who have amazing personal stories and a ton of wisdom to share with you. Stay tuned to hear from an amazing special guest on this episode of Off the Rock, On the Record. All right, it's Murray here with Beverly Walker of Little Bit of Country, the owner and mastermind behind all the goodies Little Bit of Country puts out. How are you doing, Beverly?
1: I'm doing great. How are you, Murray?
0: Doing well. I'm so glad you're here.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. So, just give us a little background on Little Bit of Country. I know you have a super unique story. You didn't you know, start your career, so to speak, in this industry. You were doing something else and then kind of transitioned into the food industry. So just give us the rundown.
1: Well, I'm a radiology tech by trade. I was a a radiology tech for 47 years at the Region One Trauma Center. Uh, And I knew that I was gonna retire, Uh, but I've always liked to do other things like tinkering in the kitchen, working in the yard. And the older I got, the more I realized that food really just did not taste well. And I tried to think of some things that I could do to bring back that really good old taste that my grandparents uh, used to have. And so one of the things that I wanted to do was chow chow. Uh, It was the natural thing for me to do because it's hard to do foods because every ingredient that you would have right now is different. If you go in by flour, it's different. If you go in by sugar, it's not granulated. It's more like a powder. And so you won't get the same taste like cooking. I used to make croissants, so I didn't get that same taste. So the best thing that I could do was do chow chow because it's all vegetable, and it's just kind of hard to mess that up.
0: Absolutely. So is the chow chow recipe your grandmother's? I know you mentioned Growing up, she would make it for you. Is it the same recipe she used?
1: It is uh, the recipe, but I really will tell you, to be honest with you, I never liked the cloves right out in the chow chow. I never liked that part of it, but I love the flavor of it. So the only difference in her recipe and mine is putting the spices right out in the chow chow. I kind of put them in a cheesecloth just to get the flavor, but not having to bite down on all of those uh, cloves.
0: Mm-hmm. I hear you. And so did she make the jellies, too, growing up? Was that she, part of y'all's, y'all's she, dinner table?
1: She did. Uh, the only jelly she made, though, I will tell you, um, she made a purple whole pea jelly, which I do right now. I decided I would go ahead and do. She made a muscadine jelly. She made uh, all different kinds of uh, jellies from berries. And so I'm not quite there yet, but I do. I thought the purple hull pea jelly was unique, so I started to try to make it. And Abs- it's doing well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I wondered uh, if the purple hull pea jelly was, was your doing or came from your grandmother. Because it it's ca- so unique, I'd never heard of it until I met yeah. you.
1: Yeah, it came from my grandmother. It was funny because when we were little, uh, we didn't know the difference between grape jelly and uh, the jelly that she made. We, she actually boiled the hulls of the purple hull pea. And it made the water purple. And so it looked like grape jelly. And we ate it. We we know we didn't know any difference.
0: And I bet it was just as good as that grape jelly um, that everybody
1: else was. <laughs> much, much better.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So you you started a little bit of country after you retired from Regional One. What was the next step in the process to start getting this stuff bottled into the public?
1: Well, now let me tell you, this this was a long process. I started um, one time, I went to a small business. They instructed me to do a business plan, which could take up to two to three years if you do a lot of research, but at that time I was working. So I didn't do a whole lot of that. I didn't do a whole lot of research. I just kind of made it, um, and as you know, I gave it away as Christmas presents. And the next year, there were so many people asking for it, then I decided maybe I can make a business out of it. So I did, not knowing everything that it took to make a business. And it's it's really hard. You know, I would advise anybody if you're going to start a business that you really need to do research first.
0: Absolutely. Well, you're doing a great job at it. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about the the partnership you have with Arkansas State, the kitchen over in West
1: Memphis? Oh, it is a beautiful uh, facility. Uh, the reason that I went to that, well, actually, it was referred to me by a young lady, Jill Forrester, at... Um, She's at the trolley stop downtown. She used to have a kitchen, and she decided her kitchen was not suitable for people to rent out. So she kind of suggested that I go here. When I went, it was the best move I've ever made because he, you, don't, you not only can cook in a beautiful kitchen, but you get instruction, and you get instruction depending on what, your expertise is. If you're a baker, he knows a lot about bakers, the facilitator, John Ocker. He, he knows a lot about um, just about anything you would do in a kitchen. He knows all the rules and the regulations. So you get a lot, you know, for what you're paying to go there.
0: Absolutely. Sounds like he was a big help for you guys.
1: He was a very big help. I actually have my FDA because of him. Uh, it took me about two years to get that. It's kind of hard to do, but we did get that. Uh, We went through the Arkansas Department of Agriculture, you know, to get my permit for actually manufacturing and selling it. So it's been a long process, but it's been well worth it.
0: Absolutely. So Mm -hmm. from the inception, you know, when you gave those bottles away as Christmas presents to your first trip to the farmer's market, how long was that time period?
1: Oh, um, well, Probably years, because the first time, and you want to hear something funny, um, the first time I decided to sell it, I thought I could just do it. And so I went to a flea market where people were were asking me, well, I'll give you $2 for it, you know, and I knew that it was worth $10, but I'll, I gave them $3 because I had not done a cost analysis. So I did do that, and lo and behold, the health department came by, and they asked me, Beverly, where do you make this? It looks great. And I said, I make it at home. Immediately, they opened my trunk or had me to open my trunk, and they took down all of my signs, and I had to put everything in the trunk because I was not doing it legally. So at that particular time, I I got sighted, and um, I had to learn what it would take to get started legally. So it took me some years uh, to get everything done and up and running because I had to find that kitchen, I had to find the correct utensils. I had to do some research. I had to go to school um, to take an acidic food class. All of these things you don't know when you're starting business. So my advice to anybody, whatever it is that you're going to do, the first thing you should do is you should research, find out what you should do, and then go from 1 to 10. Don't ever start at 10 back. That's exactly what I did, but I'm doing great now.
0: Absolutely, such good information. I mean, you know, I guess all this stuff is things that people don't think about when they're in their kitchen. and They think, "Oh, this is great. I should start to sell this." Right. But there's so much backstory and learning and research, like you said, that has to be done before you can just go to the public like a that. A
1: lot, because when I watched my grandmother cook this, she didn't have a pH reader. She didn't have a, a thermometer to take the temperature of the product that she was cooking. Of course, it was 240 degrees because it was. Um, the temperature was boiling. It was boiling temperature, so she watched it boil, so it made it okay. Mm-hmm.
0: So, when you started doing the farmers market, did you start downtown or in Cooper Young, or did you do both at the same time?
1: No, I did not do Cooper Young. I started downtown. Uh, actually, the same young lady that uh, the first kitchen that I used, she suggested that I go downtown. Once I began uh, to cook in the uh, facility that I was supposed to use then she suggested that to use her store and put it in and also to go down to the market because that's where she did hers.
0: Excellent and Mm -hmm. then how did you transition from your success there at the farmer's market to retail stores that you're in now like Curb Market, Palladio, a Long Road Cider Company, Brother Juniper's, those type of venues?
1: Actually they came to me the farmers market. Uh, There's so many people that uh, frequent the farmers market, and I think what they do is they come down looking for products, you know, to go in their stores, things that they don't have, they may not have, and so that's how um, I got started. Um, I got a lot of publicity from Channel Three. Um, he, there was a guy that came down there from Channel Three. He brought all of my products and he decided to do a story on them. and then from that I got a lot of. Um, conversation from different people
0: how is the media you guys have have garnered over the last few years since you started a little bit of country how has it impacted sales is is you think that's the big ticket factor that has really helped push sales in your stores or is there some other thing that you've done to really set yourself apart from competitors in those stores because you know you walk in curb market and they have that whole section of locally made products Mm What, have you, what do you see success in as far as setting yourself apart and setting a little bit of country apart from those other locally made products and even, even the products that aren't locally made?
1: Well, if you're, if you're speaking about the same product, say like um, some of, a lot of people make chow, there's a lot of different ways to make chow chow. Mine is authentic. Uh, it really is. I use no additives, no preservatives except for salt. You know, I might use that, but...
0: Which is a na- natural
1: preservative. which is a natural preservative. Right, so. A natural preservative. Yeah. And so um, it's just flavorful, you know. Um, another thing, too, I found out is that you have to be truthful and you have to be knowledgeable. You have to be there. I, I am always doing tastings. Uh, I will go to Palladios one day, maybe a month, and I will do a tasting, and I will have different ways that you can use it. And so people really love to taste things. You know, they know what they're buying when they taste it.
0: Absolutely, and I think you being there, you know, present in front of them really helps personalize the brand. And in my experience, in PR since joining Obsidian uh, several years ago, personalizing a brand and humanizing it really, really helps, and really helps those those purchasers make the connection and feel a deeper, you know, draw to a product.
1: Right. And plus, my product is an an old condiment. Uh, I can't tell you how old it is, and there are so many people uh, my age and younger that have been exposed to it, and they just have not gotten that taste back. Because as you know, I don't care what you taste now, It's even as young as you are, it's, it's not the same. And when they taste it, it's all the difference in the world. And I'm not doing this just to sell it. I mean it. That's why I always taste. There are a lot of people that don't taste. You know, I'm not saying that it's bad, but I'm just saying that a lot of people will not taste. You know, you just buy it. You kind of take a chance on it. But with my products, I want you to taste all of it. I want you to just see what you like. And if you don't, you don't. But I think you'll love it.
0: What kind of response do you get from the very generations, because I'm sure you have, been at the farmer's market, there's the people, people from the older generation who come to taste, and then younger people who may have never heard of Chow Chow. What, what's the feedback that you most usually get?
1: Oh, I tell you, it has been um, a variety of, of things. I had one guy, and I know this sounds really, um, I don't even know what to call it, but I'm, I'm really not selling it, but he actually cried, not just because it tasted so good, but because His grandmother used to make it for him. And he had bought a lot of different chows. And that's what he had to do because that's all he had. But when he tasted mine, it tasted like hers. It was the original chow chow. And so he actually cried. He bought six jars, you know, to take. He was from Chicago. Wow. Mm -hmm. And um, I love that. Also, um, Brother Juniper's out by the university. They carry my product because one a young guy that was in school there came to my booth at the farmer's market. He tasted it and absolutely loved it. So he told the guy that owns Brother Juniper that they should carry my product. We went in there, and I tell you, everything has always been, I think it's been blessed or pre-designed. I don't know what, how you want to call it, but Jonathan, who owns Brother Juniper's, he doesn't take anybody's product, and when I went in that day to talk to him about taking my product, putting it in, he said, I just don't do it because if I do yours, I'm going to have to do everybody's, and I just don't do it. Before I walked out of the door, he said, Beverly, hold on a minute, and he said, something is telling me to just take a chance, and so he I was the first person that he put in there. Uh, I think he has one other right now, but um, I was the first one that he put in there. And it did really well because the kids liked it. You know, they use it as salsa. uh, They put it in their deviled eggs. um, Anything that kids eat, you know, they love it like that. They like the hot. And so I've I've just had a, a great time, a good time with selling it to them, selling it to people who I can get to remember that taste that they had when they were younger.
0: That is so awesome and such a compliment to you and and who you are as a person, first of all, in your product and its quality for him to choose you as the first to be in in Brother
1: Juniper's. Oh, I loved it. I just absolutely did. I do. And I like being there. Um, I don't want to say that I would never go to a larger store, but when you go to tourist places. I just acquired a new store on Bill Street called Strange Cargo. Uh, it's a tourist section and people are always looking for Southern things, Southern food, um, Southern accents, you know, just all kinds of jewelry, uh, but they didn't have food. And so they saw my um, picture, a piece in the paper done uh, by one of the local papers. And they decided to take me in their store to sell for one of the Southern foods.
0: That's incredible. And that's getting you in front of a whole new audience who can maybe, you know, buy a jar here, taste it like it, and then go home and purchase it online through your website. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, they can they can purchase it through my website. And one, one thing I really wanna tell you that I am so proud of, um, there are always people from abroad that's here. They uh, There's two that come back, they're from Ireland and one is, it's not abroad, but they're from Canada, and they come back, and they always take my product back. But one thing that just recently happened to me is that one guy came up to my booth, and he said that out of all of the products and all of the things Southern in Memphis, their person from London, their relatives that lived in London, requested my chow chow. Look out! And so they had to come back, and and get some more to ship.
0: Well, you are worldwide, Miss Beverly. It. <laughs> so what excites you the most as you're getting ready to ship those products out because I'm sure you you obviously know where you're shipping it to. It's just but that's such a cool feeling to say like, "Oh, I'm shipping this one to Georgia today or I'm shipping this one to Maine."
1: Well, let me just tell you. Uh and I'm very truthful. You know, I don't know if I should say it, but I'm very truthful. It's expensive to ship. And to think that a person loves my chow chow or my jellies enough to purchase it online because I have no control over the cost of anything. For them to pay for uh, for me to send it or to ship it, it's just, uh, that's the ultimate um, compliment. I love it, and I appreciate it so much.
0: Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. And through this whole process, has it been difficult or easy to share something that's so personal to you, like a family recipe? I know you mentioned going into Brother Juniper's, and at first, you know, you walked out thinking he wasn't going to use your product. And then he said, well, wait, Beverly, hang on. Does it pull on your heartstrings a little too much sometimes? Like, are you super attached to this product that when people do say no or or, are hesitant at first that— it's it's hurtful in a way, or
1: it it is it's 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 hard. Um, it really is hard because I know that it's a really really good product, and a lot of people, especially re, you know the retailers, they just look to make money. You know, they they don't really care if it's. Uh, and I don't want to say everybody. I shouldn't say that, but a lot of retailers they just want to make money, so they're not looking at the actual authenticity of the product, how well it tastes. If I can make money, I'm just going to make the money for it. But you have a few uh, that really want specialty items. They really want gourmet items. They realize how much it takes to do this item. Uh, my chow chow takes two days to make because I brine it. Uh, brining doesn't help to uh, not cause you to get sick, but what it does, is it gives it An extra, extra, extra flavor. You know, it's not bland. It's kind of like eating a baked potato without putting salt or butter on it, and you say something's missing. Well, you know something's missing when you don't uh, brine it, you know, overnight. I use vinegar, which uh, vinegar is the safety uh, net for that chow chow. It's an acidic food, so you just kind of have to watch how much and whatever, you know, you do to it to keep people safe. We've got all that down pat.
0: Absolutely, especially with the help of of the A-State folks who help you with all the ingredient lists and and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. So this podcast will go out during Small Business Month, so I want to leave listeners with a little bit of information, a tip, some words of wisdom from you. One piece of advice that you would give people looking to make a splash when entering the retail market. Maybe they have a food product or maybe it's technology something you know could be anything what would you say when entering that retail space what's the one thing you wish someone had told you before you started
1: I would start at number one uh, not go to number 10 not think you know uh, what to do because most people that have a small business they think I you know I'm going to make a million dollars I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do uh, let them taste it or I'm going to make something and let them wear it and it's just going to make me a lot of money. But you really need to educate yourself on what your product is, what you have to do um, in order to get yourself out there legally. Uh, and just go slow. You know, Don't be in a hurry to do anything. Go slow and learn. Uh, be very knowledgeable about what it is that you have to do to achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve. And also one big thing uh, with me is know where you want to go. Do you want to stay at a market? Do you want to go in retail stores? Do you want to go outside of Memphis? Uh, For me, uh, to go outside of Memphis, I had to get my FDA. If I didn't get my FDA, I could not be on the website. So that's one of the things that I, I wish that I had gone slower. I wish that I had dedicated myself Um, to just that. But you kind of have to know what you want uh, when you're doing it. Uh, I don't know if I should say this, but, you know, I did say that I was a radiology tech. When you have um, a family to take care of and you have a mortgage to pay and you have insurance, what you do is you go to work. So you kind of have to know what you want. You kind of have to say, am I going to take a chance on this? Am I going to learn everything that I can? Will I believe enough in my product you know, that I can let, leave that behind and try. I'm 71 years old, and I'm starting a new uh, adventure, which I'm very proud of. Uh, but I wish I could have started when I was 25.
0: <laughs> well, it's 25 or 71, we are so glad that you started. Little Bit of Country has a huge following, especially my dad. I know I can't go across the river to go home without a jar of hot chow chow. <laughs> not the sweet, not the mild. He wants the hot. Um, so just thank you so much for being here today. We really appreciate you sharing some, some words of wisdom and are so glad to have you.
1: You're welcome.